I guess we could make that statement in uh, with all of these questions. I always have advice. Good or not, meh. To be determined. Diz Runs Radio, episode 1033, starts in three, two, Welcome back to Diz Runs Radio, where I talk with runners from all corners of the running world about running, life, and everything in between. I'm your host, Denny Cray, and it's just about time to head out the door for an easy run and a great conversation. So if you're ready, then I'm ready. Let's get started. Well, 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 here we are. Once again, doing a thing. End of the month. You know what that means. It's time for a little You Ask, I Answer situation. The monthly listener Q&A is here. And uh, I don't know. I don't want to put my cart too far in front of my horse, but this might not be a, a marathon episode. Y'all fell asleep at the wheel with asking questions this month. Not that I'm complaining. And I'll probably regret saying that because as has happened a few times in the past, few questions one month means all the questions next month, so uh, buckle up because April will probably be uh, a thing, but uh, let's let's do a little Q&A. If you're new around these parts, though, uh, one, one little announcement before we get going, I guess, is that uh, if you want to get your questions answered in future iterations of the monthly Q&A episode, you can send your questions any old way, but the best way by far is to join the Facebook group because somewhere... A couple weeks before this episode goes out, I put out a post that says, hey, what are your questions for this month? You put your questions in the comments, bada boom, bada bam, I answer them. What that means is that they don't get lost in the shuffle. If you shoot me a question for the Q&A via you know, email or, or DM on Twitter or Instagram or something like that, um, I will do my best, but I make no promises. There's There's been questions that have been lost to the ether, to the black hole that is my inbox, whether we're talking email or DMs. And uh, not on, not on purpose, not intentional, but uh, I know not everybody does Facebook. So if if you don't do Facebook, you can still get your questions answered. But if you do do Facebook, and yes, I did just say do do, joining the Facebook group is the best way to get your questions answered on the Q and A episodes. And the the quickest, easiest way to join the Facebook group is to just go to disruns.com/slash/facebook. It'll redirect you right there. You click, you know, ask to join. We say yes. Bada boom, bada bam. You're in. You can also, on anytime you're scrolling through on Facebook, and if you're on Facebook, you know you waste way more time scrolling on Facebook than you probably should. Lord knows I do as well. Uh, just go ahead and, and search for the Diz Runs Tribe next time you're, you're mindlessly scrolling. Stop mindlessly scrolling. Start searching for the group. Click to join, and we'll let you in that way as well. And then, you know, join, join the party. We got a pretty good group over there. Uh, join the fun, and then be on the lookout for that post that says, What are your questions? And uh, do your best or your worst, depending on, uh, you know, how you want to look at things. So diving into the questions this month, we got a, a couple of heavy hitters to start off with. We've got some nonsense as we go, of course. And like I said, not not too, too many questions today. So we'll see how long this takes. You know, with me, I'll probably get flapping at the yap and we'll be here for two hours anyway. Who knows? Stranger things have happened. But uh, the first question from Kelly says, uh, it's a little bit of a, of a wind up, but uh, hey, we don't have that many questions, so we might as well wind up and, and have some fun with it, right? Uh, and, and obviously, all that in fun, Kelly. No no worries. I, I like the context. It actually helps me hopefully give you a better answer. So here we go. Uh, first question. Was actually thinking about this on my run this morning and wanted to ask for the Q&A. I think without realizing it that I might have been doing uh, heart rate training slash Maffetone method for a while now. I'm not sure how accurate my Garmin is with the heart rate zones, but most of my runs are what is classified as aerobic and easy. Um, being a higher percentage of the run... Um, and very rarely hit what is classified as threshold or anaerobic by, gar by Garmin's standards based on my age. Anyway, I guess my question is when doing a run that has a time slash distance that is classified as moderate effort instead of easy example, the one that I, the run that I was on that brought this up, uh, was two to three miles, easy 30 minutes, moderate effort, two miles, easy to cool down. Um, this was a little over eight total miles in about one hour and 20 ish minutes. Only 10 minutes of the run fell into the threshold zone with the rest of the run in aerobic slash easy zone. But it felt that I definitely upped my effort a bit for the 30 minutes. And my pace reflected this about a minute quicker per mile for those 30 minutes. When heart rate training, would there be a target heart rate zone for moderate and hard efforts? Or is it truly based on the effort you feel you're putting in? I really understand heart rate training on the most basic level of running, uh, 
of running easy to keep the heart rate lower. So thanks for, again for the, the context, Kelly. That, that's, that's helpful. Hopefully everybody followed it. Hopefully I followed it. I think I did. And uh, as such, hopefully the answer will, will make sense. So heart rate training is, is a general term, right? Like, like Maffetone method is kind of a, as a, as a kind of falls under the heart rate training umbrella. And there's different other, other styles. There's diff- there's the zones that your Garmin has. Um, there's, there's, uh, like 80, 20, where you do a certain percentage or you try to keep about 80% of your runs easy and 20% go to, to different hard levels. Um, but, but when we're talking about heart rate training in general, like you can kind of, and this may be an oversimplification, but you can kind of keep it simple or make it more complicated if you know, kind of whatever, whatever you want to do. So you can have different levels of hard, just like you could have different levels of easy. Um, you know, a lot of times when, when you look at the, this kind of the standard Garmin model of zone, zone one, zone two, zone three, zone four, zone five, um, if, if you wanted to, to parse it down, you would definitely say zone one and zone two are easy. Sometimes part of zone three would, would be classified as, as easy based on some other scales. Almost always the higher end of zone three and then certainly in zone four and zone five would be classified as, as hard, but the, but how you want to label them, you know, if you wanted to call zone three moderate, you could. If you wanted to call, you know, hard, super hard, like, like you can kind of put whatever label on it that you want. Um, I, I tend to fall under the keep it simple, stupid type of, of mindset, which is why I think I like the Maffetone method so much because basically there's one number for Maffetone method. Like there's the 180 minus your age, um, adjusted as needed based on some of the, the guidelines in the formula. But the simple, simple method is 180 minus your age. And anything at that number or below is easy. So my, my math is real easy right now because I just turned 40 a couple of months ago. So 180 minus 40 is 140. You want your heart rate to be at 140 beats per minute or under. And as long as you're at that in that range, it's easy. Now, are there different levels of, of easy? You know, if I'm down in the 110s, obviously that effort is lower. It's easier than if I'm running in the high 130s. Right. But according to that method or that kind of subsect of heart rate training, it's all classified as easy. And then, you know, likewise, anything above that, anything above 140 is no longer classified as, as strictly aerobic. So it starts to become various levels of hard. And, you know, quite frankly, and I don't know if this is a pro heart rate training comment or, or not, but the difference between 135 and 145, like it's not substantial. Like, like I can't necessarily tell you like, oh, this definitely feels easy, hard um, when I'm at 135. And then when I hit 145, like, oh, this is hard, easy. Like, like it's, it's, it's a blurred line. Okay. And so, so all that to say, if, if you wanted to have different zones as far as easy and moderate, easy and moderate, moderate, and like, you can certainly do that. And, and I kind of think that some of the more standard, like five zone things that are you know, kind of the default on, on most of the watches, things like that, like that's kind of doing that in and of itself. That's kind of making it more complicated than I like it to be. Now, some people like to feel like they're working harder than easy, even though they're still in the aerobic slash easy zone. So that's where having zone two, high end of zone two, like that might be helpful. That might make you feel like you're still getting something decent out of it instead of just running easy. And what does running easy going to do for you? So again, and maybe I'm talking myself in a circle and if so, I, I apologize, but there's, there's nothing wrong with breaking up your different zones. Um, certainly, you know, as far as what it feels like for you so that you kind of have a better idea of, I want to be in this, in this range, or I want to be working at this, at this level. Um, it's not necessary, but there's nothing wrong with it. It's, it's ultimately kind of whatever, whatever works best for you and, and whatever formula or, or method you're looking at, whether it's, it's max heart rates, percentages of max heart rates, math method, 80, 20 threshold limits and being under threshold versus over lactate threshold, like, like all these different, different methods for figuring out if it's quote unquote, easy or hard, like is whatever method that you may be following, you know, you kind of want to know where that line is whether it's 140 beats or whether it's at 75% of VO2 max or whatever it is, kind of have that, that idea figured out. And so that you know that on the days when you're trying to keep it easy, that you're keeping it, and I say easy as a placeholder, but you're trying to keep it aerobic. You're trying to keep it below that level, whatever it is. Then you can have as many, as many sub 
sections or sub subcategories underneath that if you want as far as like warm up easy cruise easy conversational eat like whatever you can you can make up as many categories as you want to your heart's content me personally like i said earlier keep it simple easy hard boom done but you want to add more layers to it by all means add more layers to it so hopefully that helps a little bit kelly i'm sorry if that uh makes it muddier instead of making it clearer but as long as there's there's the physiological line again however you're defining it whether it's aerobic tests or anaerobic tests or submaximal tests or formulas or whatever you kind of know where that that line is and then on the days that you want to stay under it stay under it on the days or the percentages of workouts that you want to stay over it get over it and uh you know trust that in the big in the big picture you're moving your fitness forward um as as scheduled as scheduled so again hope all that helps kelly thank you for the question and uh Keep on keeping on. I know you got some big, big things coming up and it's the, the days are getting, uh, you know, the dates are getting closer. So hope your training is going well and, and everything's moving in the right direction. Uh, next question from Natasha. What advice or tips do you have for imposter syndrome when it comes to running? I'm training for my first marathon and would love to have some support from other runners, but my fear of not being a quote unquote real runner keeps me from reaching out. Um, oh, Natasha. Well, first of all, um, I mean, thank you for the question, of course. And and I totally get it. I, I think that a lot of us have been there before in some form or fashion where we're not quite sure we're a real runner yet. And I, I think that I was there. I think that I was. I, in fact, I know I was there. I was absolutely there um, where I was running. And I'd even run, you know, spoiler alert, I'd run a couple marathons before I thought of myself as a, as a real runner. Um Hopefully you won't. Hopefully you'll get there before you even train, before you even run your first marathon. But hopefully, you know, and, and you will. You'll get there at, certainly at some point. Um, but again, I think I think what you're feeling is natural. Is I guess what I'm what I'm trying to say. And and you can have other people tell you um, as much as you want, as much as we want, that if you run, you're a runner. Period, and that's it. Um, but I don't know that me telling you that or anybody who, who replied to your comment, and there were a few very nice things that people had to say um, that, that I don't know if that helps, right? Like, because it's, it's the imposter syndrome comes from within and you kind of have to, to disassociate a little bit or, or kind of take a little bit of a perspective or sometimes it just kind of has to eventually wear itself down to, to come through it. Um, I think, I hope being part of the group, um, and, and dipping your toes in the running community, at least in that way is, is helping because, you know, quite frankly, I'm biased, but I think our, our Facebook group is pretty awesome. And there's so many different runners, all of which are real runners in the group, distances, paces, ages, experience levels, sizes, shapes, the whole nine, right? Like, like it, whatever demographic, I think we've got it covered and I think that's a good thing because hopefully it helps to show that there is no real definition, no, I don't say real definition, but there's no universal definition of what it takes to be a real runner. I mean, I remember somebody, I can't remember exactly who, but I remember a conversation on the podcast years ago where somebody was like, I didn't think of myself as a real runner until I qualified for Boston. Kind of, kind of ridiculous, I think, as far as a general definition, because so many people are never going to qualify for Boston. But at the same time, like that's what it took for her to be like, yeah, I'm a real runner. For me, it was having like running goals beyond just training for a race. Like I started running more regularly and that was kind of when the switch clicked when I was like, yeah, I guess I really am a runner because I'm, I'm running not to train for a race, but I'm running because I enjoy running. So ultimately, like I said, and, and maybe again, not surprisingly taking the long way to get there, there's no real way to, to come through the imposter syndrome other than to come through the imposter syndrome. Keep at it have fun at your first race. That's the most important thing. Keep exposing yourself to other runners. Keep being around, um, races and the online community and the, and the, in the real world community. Um, and eventually you'll just be like, yeah, these are my people. I am one of them. Um, and, and I don't know, like, I wish I had a better, better bit of advice or a better, a better thing to say or better, better tips or, or whatever. Um, but it's real. Imposter syndrome is real and it's frustrating and, and you're one of us clearly, uh, there's no question about that in my mind. Um, so give yourself a little self-love and be like, hell yeah, I am. I am a runner. I am a real runner. Even before I run my first marathon, 
Just training for it. That's, that's enough. Just not even training for it. Just going out for, you know, one mile going out to the end of the driveway. That's, that's enough. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so there's, there's a long winded way of not really answering anything. I don't think other than, than I've been there. I know many others have been there. Um, keep at it. Keep at it. Cause you're one of us period. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. All right. Uh, thanks Natasha. Hope that, hope that helps and, and good luck working through this imposter syndrome. Um, because running's a whole lot more fun. If I may be so bold as to say that when you're no longer worried about whether or not what you're doing counts as real running, when you just do it and you enjoy it and that's that. So, uh, come, you'll get there. You'll get there. If you're not already, hopefully you already are. Next up early in the list this week, we got the, uh, the Tom trifecta, which usually he seems like he sneaks in right through the, uh, right at, right at the last minute. But this time he was in, in early, early. I don't know. Tom, you feeling all right? Everything, everything good up there in New York. You're getting your questions in early this month. I, uh, appreciate it. I appreciate it. First one, first question from the Tom trifecta. I am thinking of running some evening races later this summer up in the big city of Buffalo. All of my regular runs are in the morning. Do you have any advice on how to resume running the day after an evening race? Um, yeah, I, I do Tom. And, and, and certainly I don't mean this in any type of disparaging way, but don't over, just stop overthinking it. You know, like, like just because the race is 12 hours later in the day or whatever, plus or minus a a few hours doesn't really change the recommendations that much for what to do the next day. As far as I can tell, if you're really sore and and beat up because you just threw down a a good hard 5k or 10k, then maybe just go for a walk the next day. You know, just, just like the the recovery process, of course, is going to take about as much time as it's going to take, you know? So, so Yes, running at 7 p.m. instead of 7 a.m. just to keep the numbers relatively simple means that come 7 a.m. the next day when you might try to go out and and loosen things up a little bit, you're only going to be 12 hours post-race, so you might be a little more sore than usual. Well, back down the pace, back down the effort, maybe maybe just, quote-unquote, just go for a walk. Um, You know, maybe maybe try to push your run that next day a little bit later in the afternoon if you can, especially if it's a Saturday night race or a Friday night race. Maybe you still have some flexibility on the weekend to get your runs in at lunchtime or in the early afternoon. Of course, it'll be summer, so you may not want to do that. So, so you miss a day. No big deal. You know, no big deal in the, in the big picture, in the grand scheme of things, go for a walk, loosen some things up, maybe take a bike ride, get on the foam roller, do, do some of the recovery type of stuff and then back on track the next day. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, like I, like I said, the, the, the real answer is just don't overthink it. You know, like if you're, if you're feeling good enough to run in the morning, like you would after a race that happened the previous day in the morning, go for it. If you're not, don't run, run the next day, give yourself 36 hours to recover instead of 24 hours. And, uh, then carry on, carry on at that point. So, um, listen to your body, trust what it says way more than what some Johan in Florida says when he flaps his yap, uh, trust what your body's saying and, and respect and listen to it. And, uh, it's not going to steer you wrong. Not going to steer you wrong. Right. Second question from Tom. Do you have any suggestions for stretching outside of the forward backward plane on which runners normally focus? I would like to try some stretches working side to side. So yes, but this is an awkward one to try to talk about without visuals. And sadly, the podcast is a talk about without visuals type of situation. So uh, in, in an attempt to try to make sure everybody understands what we're talking about here, forward backward would be like stretching forward, like bending down, touching towards your toes, pulling that foot back behind you, stretching your hamstrings and your quads, maybe stretching your calves, things like that. Um, all kinds of things that are you know similar to, to like the forward motion, right? Like Like the running motion. But you're trying to maybe stretch some, do some side to side stuff, work some, some inner thigh, outer thigh. Um, keep, keep, you know, remembering that, that yes, running might be mostly in a forward plane, but like we are three dimensional humans. And so addressing some issues or at least trying to head off some issues at the past, um, by working some, some different, different angles, different planes of motion, not a bad idea. In fact, Tom, I actually really like, I like that line of reasoning. I like that, that logic that you're displaying there. Um, so, so yeah, some suggestions would be things like, um, if you go in like a lateral lunge position, you're going to get some inner thigh. You can do this without, with a slightly lesser burden of the strength component. If you go down on like one knee down and one and the other one, you know, other foot bent up in front of you. So you're, 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 you know, let's, let's 
if your if your right knee is down on the ground and your left leg is bent so that your left foot is flat on the ground out in front of you a little bit, left knee 90 degree angle type of situation. And then from your hip, you kind of open up the um that left leg so that your your now your left toe is pointed out to, like to the side of you and then just kind of track sideways. And I know this doesn't explain it very well. A video would do this much better. Hang on for that. Um but as you kind of lean lean into that left knee that's now pointed out to the side of you, you'll feel the stretch a little bit, a little bit on the left side, but definitely on the right inner thigh. Um, so, so some of those types of movements. I mean, basically, you know, just moving in a lateral plane and, you know, finding, finding a, little, a slight stretch is going to help working some of those stretches. Now, spoiler alert, news flash, something I've been working on that uh, will be available shortly after this episode goes live is... Uh, I've been working on some stretching and some foam rolling and some, some kind of guides, guide videos, if you will, um, for the people who, uh, I work with for the, for the old Diz runners and, uh, we're making it available for, uh, anybody as well. So stay tuned. It'll be something in the Facebook group. Um, I've got some different routines, five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes of stretching of foam rolling. Still got some more things I'm going to add to it, but I've got enough that I feel like it's, it's ready ish for, you know, a moderately low price. I think it's listed at like 10 bucks, 12 bucks, something like that. Um, and you got all these different videos that you can kind of follow along with. And there's definitely in the stretching videos, there is some lateral, lateral stuff, some side to side stuff. So I don't know if you think that might be helpful for you. Like I said, stay tuned. There'll be, there'll be an announcement in the Facebook group, uh, in the, in the coming days. And I'll probably, you know, give you some type of fa- fancy link, uh, beyond that you can just kind of get to easily without going through the Facebook group. Um, but hopefully that will address some of the things you're talking about with, with some videos kind of actually outlining it, showing it, demonstrating it while also explaining it, which hopefully makes it, uh, more, more useful. But, but yeah, definitely, you know, always, always a a good idea. I think to to do a little bit of stretching and not just forward backward, but definitely even some rotational, do some rotational stuff too, where you're twisting a little bit. That's also something that's easy to neglect, but can be helpful. So thanks for that question, Tom. And last but not least, as per usual, one or two of Tom's questions, pretty legitimate. The third one, pretty nonsense. And as per usual, uh, Tom follows, Tom follows suit. Tom, Tom, he's got his formula and he doesn't uh, vary. Third question from Tom this month. Did you know that regular consumption of Cadbury eggs leads to increased marathon performance? Tom, I feel like that is fake news, but let's, let's just play the hypothetical game that this really does. This really is true. This really matters. Well, guess my marathon performance is just never going to be quite what it could be because Cadbury eggs are disgusting. And there's no amount of increased marathon performance. That's going to, if, if I'm not going to choke down a gel, I'm certainly not going to choke down a Cadbury egg. Sorry. Ain't happening. If you got Cadbury eggs, apparently send them to Tom, but don't send them to me. Cause they go in, they, 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 they're not making it in the house. Now, if you've got Reese's eggs, you can send those to me. Cadbury eggs, hard pass, hard pass. Any time of year, but especially as Easter comes comes around and they become everywhere. Just terrible, 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 terrible abomination when it comes to candy. Thanks for the questions, Tom. As always, hope things are going well and enjoying some spring up in the eastern Great Lakes region. Uh, next question coming from Michaela. Another another food question that does. Uh, this, this one's got some layers pun somewhat intended. So you love chocolate mint and chocolate peanut butter, but would you eat chocolate mint peanut butter like in a cake in layers? Husband wants me to make one and it's an odd combo. So for research, would you eat a York on top of a Reese's thoughts? This is, this is an interesting question because you know, like mint chocolate is delicious. Mint peanut butter, also delicious not mint peanut butter, sorry, chocolate peanut butter, also delicious, but mint peanut butter, that's an, a very interesting situation. Yes, I would try it. I don't know that I would say it would be good. I think it would depend on the ratios and the, the intensity of the flavors, specifically the intensity of the mint, because I feel like I've played the game before with like a mint dark chocolate 
Like just, you know, like the, the solid dark chocolate, but there's, there's a mint infusion of flavor. I feel like I've played with that and dipping it in the peanut butter jar a little bit. And it was not bad. But if there was, if there was, oh, but, but that's, it's like a, it's like a hint of mint. I feel like if it was overwhelming mint, that that might be too much of a flavor explosion going on. Maybe not explosion, but just too much of a flavor, like what is happening situation that it might be too much. So like a York on top of a Reese's like, that might be too much, but an Andes on top of a Reese's. I feel like there's a potential there. I feel like there's a potential there. So, so yeah, I would try it and it might be one of those things that you kind of got to play with a little bit. Maybe it's, maybe there's like a, a, a you know, a, a peanut buttery something between the layers of the chocolate cake with a little bit of hint of mint somewhere. Uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know how it's how it going to shake out. Definitely an odd combo, but an, intri- an intriguing combo that probably warrants further research. So uh, I'm curious to hear what your husband thinks once, uh, once he's had a chance to try it. And, uh, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm open to, I'm intrigued by it. Um, but it's not one of those that just screams out to me that this is always going to be great. I think it, I think it could be, I think it could be good. I think it could be a train wreck. And I think it all depends on the power of the mint. Go with a dull mint and maybe even a dull peanut butter, like not a super overpowered peanut butter. I don't know. Play with it. Play with the proportions. Report back. Let me know. Thanks for the question, Michaela. Now, now for a little bit of less diet, not dietary, but a little bit less candy slash chocolatey discussion. Although we'll get to some more of that as we go. But uh, for right now, question from Rick, uh, how often do you get a runner's high? I've only experienced what I would consider a runner's high a handful of times. I don't go looking for it, but it is kind of cool when it happens. Um, yeah, you know, Rick, I think that, uh, I, not that I've kept track, not that I have a, a running total. But I'm probably right there with you. It doesn't happen very often, um, and I don't know why. I don't know why. I, I don't know if it's if it's because I don't go looking for it. Although maybe if I went looking for it, it would be even more infrequent. Um, it's happened a few times, you know, where it's just kind of like you're just kind of floating along, and every and the miles are just flying by, and you feel like you're running easy, and it's just you know just cruising right along. Um, but not often. Not often feel like it definitely happened at the 45 miler that I did in, in the fall. Um, that was just, it never really turned into a slog like I thought it would. And that has to be some type of runner's high situation there. Um, but yeah, it certainly doesn't happen on a daily basis, a weekly basis, probably not even a monthly basis, but every so often it just kind of happens. And you're right. It is pretty cool when it does. And it's just like, like, I wish it was one of those things that you could, you could bottle up. Sometimes I don't even know if I realize it until afterwards. And I was like, wow, that was, that was a really good run. And there's no rhyme or reason to it. Um, sometimes it's after a good night's sleep. Sometimes it's not so much. Sometimes it's after, you know, a, a few too many drinks. Sometimes it's after not having anything to drink at all. You know, like it's just, it just kind of comes. Um, but when it does, you know, I guess it's one of those gift horse situations. Don't look it in the mouth. Just embrace it because who knows when it'll be back again. Um, but yeah, good, good question. And, and hopefully um, you and everyone gets to uh, experience a runner's high situation sooner rather than later. But thank you for the question, my friend. Next one from Chris up in Vermont. Starting to come back from an extensive break due to injury and definitely nervous to consider racing again. I blew up my ankle when a runner stopped in front of me during a half with no warning. It has been a long, hard-fought couple of years, and the thought of running in a crowd again is unnerving, as is the thought of re-injury after such a long investment heavy in every way possible season. Any advice? So, yes-ish. But I don't know that it's good advice. Which I guess I guess we could make that statement in uh, with all of these questions. I always have advice, good or not, meh, to be determined. Um, but uh, you know, I, I think that that especially knowing your situation, Chris, and so many people have a, at least a pretty decent idea because you've been so upfront about the struggles and the setbacks and the the, the times we thought we had it and then yeah, not so much, and maybe this time and uh, not so much and. and and uh, obviously, it's been a saga. It's been two years of trying to get back to running and multiple surgeries and, and all of the things. And like the physical side of it is a hurdle that has to be navigated. But I think that one's maybe a little bit easier because you progress up. You know, you, you, you've been doing the therapy. You've been doing the rehab, you know, starting to dip toes into running again. Like, like it's a little bit scary of the possibility of re-injury. Totally get that. But like 
as much as you can be in control, you can be in control. The racing side of things, being in the crowds, being around people, um, that's a, that's a whole different hurdle. Certainly one that needs to be addressed though. And, um, I think, I think that, that especially given your situation, which you talked about here briefly that, you know, a runner was doing a run walk thing and just stopped right in front of you without, um, any type of hand wave or warning. Um, and so you, you know, you being a good person better than me, because I would have just trucked her probably, um, you tried to dodge out of the way, dot, dot, dot. Here we are two years later, not being able to run or just starting to get back into running again. But all that to say, like, if it wouldn't, if it wasn't a crowded race, wouldn't have, wouldn't have had an issue. Right. So, so the idea of getting into a race with a bunch of other people, uh, no doubt is, is going to be something that's, that's going to bring some nerves and some anxiety and a little bit of like, I don't know. Um, and I think that, that to me, it's one of those situations where kind of almost like exposure therapy might be the, the best route starting at the very lowest level of exposure. So, you know, running with one or two people where there's not even necessarily in a race environment, but just, you know, running somewhere where you can, you can have a little bit of company, but there's no claustrophobia situation, right? There's no, there's no, um, people right on top of you, right behind you, anything like that. Um, and then just kind of gradually ease into it. You know, if, if you can find like a, you know, a little local, you know, church fundraiser 5k or the, the volunteer fire department 5k or whatever, where there's, where there's whatever, 60 people or a hundred people, but you can start towards the back and let people kind of spread out a little bit. And there's, there's people around, but again, it's not congested. Um, I think ideally we don't just jump right back into a race. That's got, you know, 30,000 people running a 5k situation where it's just going to, it's just going to be a sea of people the whole way because yeah, I mean, that's, that's going to be a lot. You know, and, and not saying you'll never get to that point or not saying that, that even if, you know, some of the races that you got planned, they're going to be a little bit crowded. Like that's okay. Um, and if you're in that situation, you know, trying to get in the middle of it, try to be holding back a little bit, leaving a little bit of a gap between the people in front of you. So you've got room to maneuver, you know, if you can be towards the, the, the edge ish where, you know, you can, you can have an easier escape route if somebody does stop and there's solid footing, which again, say that and realize that that's exactly what you did. You tried to dodge out of the way and off the side of the course. And that was the problem. Um, but you know, depending on the circumstances, the, the terrain, things like that, um, just, just being in a situation where hopefully if, if someone else does something, which is always a risk, you know, other people, we, we've all had other people do things that have impacted our race and knowingly or not, we've all probably done things that have impacted other people's race. Um, you know, just being aware of, of, possibilities, almost like defensive driving. Like you need to be like a defensive runner for a while. Um, looking for escape routes, looking for spots where, all right, there's nobody here. I can dodge here. I can, I can, you know, I can pull back. I can sprint forward. I can move left. I can move right. Um, and as, as the healing continues to come, to come around and there's more confidence in your ability to, to jump or skip or run or whatever. Um, hopefully it'll be, it'll be less and less nerving to be in a crowd of runners. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's going to be a thing. And we're getting the time is excitedly the time is getting close to where we can start working on some of that type of stuff. So, um, boy, but you know, everybody that's been following along, I know is, is in your corner and, uh, so many, so many good wishes going to, to Vermont this spring, um, as, as, you know, spoiler alert for those that, uh, you know, speaking out of turn here, maybe, but, uh, you know, I've already been running outside just a little bit this spring. It's awesome. Awesome. More to come for you, Chris. Um, but yeah, you know, there's, there's going to be some of that anxiety and, and I think it's normal. I think that, that, uh, it's something that you kind of just will be working through for a while and that's okay. And that's okay. And we will get through it. We will get through it. But, uh, so glad that you're getting, getting closer and closer to, uh, to running again. And, uh, can't wait until, um, there's some races coming and I know there's, there are some races coming, so I can't wait till there's some races in the rear view finished medals, medals earned, um, finish line feelings, all of the feelings, um, good times, good times coming, good times coming. Thank you for the question, Chris. Next question from Mathis, James Mathis, James asked, well, I guess this one isn't a question. It's going to be a question. Uh, first one, he says more, more questions, please. When this comes out, I'll be doing a 35 hour race and I need, I need this to not be a quick tip. James, I mean, you know, like, <laughs> it takes me, it takes me one or two questions to get through a quick tip. So we're, we're, we're beyond that a little bit, 
But uh, apologies that we're not getting more here. But here, you, you at least, you know, don't just ask for more questions. You give me a question. Uh, favorite snacks or meals for a trail race of over 12 hours? So this is a, this is a good question um, because what you think might sound good looking into a race may or may not be very appetizing at all 8, 10, 12 hours into a race. Not that I have too much experience with the 12-hour race. Uh, my longest race to date is... What was my longest? Well, it was a 45 miler, but that took just over nine hours. So nine hours and 10 minutes or whatever. Um, and, uh, I don't know that my, my tastes changed too much during the race. Um, but if I already kept going, would they have potentially, but anyway, all that to say favorite snacks or meals on the trail for, for these longer races. Um, I kind of feel like for me, I want to cover all the bases, right? I want something salty, something sweet, um, maybe something relatively healthy, um, whether that's fruits or things like that, but something that's, that's, that's not just processed sugary, whatever, um, something, something liquid, you know, some, some different liquid options. So for me, uh, this is not an ex- extensive list, but I feel like if I've got most of these things, I'll probably be okay on the liquid front, you know, so probably some tailwind or some, some type, some type of something like that, maybe some water, you know, just, just some plain water once in a while isn't a bad thing, but, uh, for, for an ultra, a little bit of Mountain Dew, little bit of ginger ale. I'm not going to want those extensively or exclusively, but every once in a while, a little shot of ginger ale, a little shot of Mountain Dew. That's, that's, that's some good stuff right there. Um, food wise, I mean, you know, clearly potato chips because never say no to potato chips on race day. Um, but I also like, you know, apple slices, orange, orange slices. Oranges are, are a, a big thing for me. I, I always feel like I do good with oranges. Um, bananas, eh, you know, I can take a banana. I can leave a banana. No big deal there. Um, at the 45, I did have some cheese. I had some lunch meat. That was kind of a nice, nice early in the race situation when I was feeling pretty good, but wanted something that was a little bit more of a long-term slow burn type of thing, kind of a diesel fuel type of fuel. Um, wouldn't want a lot, but just a, you know, a string cheese or some little bit of, of sliced turkey, something like that. Not bad. Not bad. Not saying that I would always want those types of things, but it's it's a nice option to have. Um, I mentioned potato chips, but I'll mention them again because never say no to potato chips on race day. Um, as far as candy goes, I like I like some M and M's. Um, I like a payday candy bar because it's it's something that doesn't really melt, you know. So so you don't have to worry about it being sloppy, gooey like a Snickers or something like that, which would be which would theoretically be good. But if it's a hot day or if you're trying to carry it with you, could be could be a little bit nasty. Um, so paydays are good. Um, you know, sometimes, sometimes something gummy is, is all right. Um, not really like hardcore into like, I need a gummy bears or something like that, but you know, might not say no. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I feel like if I got all of those things, I'm pretty much good to go, you know, mix in a little bit of, uh, you know, a cookie or a cupcake or something like that. Maybe, you know, it's nice to have those options. Um, uh, but if I'm self-supportive or if I'm, if I'm, you know, supplying my own, my own stuff, those are the things. A little bit of fruit, a little bit of, of candy, a uh, couple different drink options, uh, maybe some coffee in there, depending on the time of day and if we can get keep the coffee warm for a while. Um, and I'll be all right. I'll be all right. But I'm thankfully, one of my blessings as a, as a runner is that I've got a pretty good stomach. Um, if I throw too much crap at it, I'm going to be in trouble. But if I just kind of have a slow drip of various types of things, like my stomach doesn't turn to, you know, doesn't, does, I don't have too many issues very often with GI things. So I can kind of get away with bits and bobs and not worrying too much about it. I know some of you have to really be on the point about only this, not that. Thankfully, that's not me. But uh, those are at least some some options, you know. But, but again, sometimes you get eight hours, ten hours in and you're just like, yeah, no, you know, and you know, if that's the case, hopefully something will sound good for you. Cause you got to keep that fuel going in. That is for sure. But good luck. Good luck in your race. James hopes it's, hope it's going well in Savannah. I uh, hope you're having a good, uh, good 35 hours or so. Next question from Kelly, uh, different Kelly than the first Kelly. Cause you know, heaven forbid we have people with, uh, multiple people with the same name. Uh, Kelly asks during my first full marathon in 10 years in September, uh, or I'm doing, sorry, I'm doing my first full marathon in 10 years in September. The course has Gatorade and cliff shots. I generally train with tailwind and the occasional lifesaver, but I'm anticipating a five hour marathon. Should I train with my usuals? 
train with what I've been told will be available on the course. A little bit of both. Um, it's a good question, Kelly, because, because it's one of those where I think the right answer is both. I think the right answer is both because I think that, um, kind of coming off of James question, if you're like me, which hopefully for the betterment of the world, not too many people are like me, but if you're like me in terms of the ability to kind of stomach whatever during a run, you probably don't have too much to worry about, you know, cliff or Gatorade cliff shots. If, if that, if, if, if you can handle that, you don't probably need to train with it too much. But if you're not sure, especially if you have a sensitive stomach, you probably want to train with it once or twice to see if your body has a decent chance of handling it all right, or if it's going to result in a, you know, a, a, an unplanned porta potty stop, or maybe multiple unplanned porta potty stops, which is obviously not the situation we want. So training with it a couple times will help you get that idea of: Do I need to stop? Do I need to? Do I need to worry about things? Do I need to bring my own stuff? But at the same time, getting some good training runs in with stuff that you know works, so that you can focus on the quality of your running and not worried about whether or not today you're going to have to stop off at the the Seven Eleven and the the Walgreens and half a dozen places on your way home uh, because you know you got a, a little issue going on. Um, there's something to be said about that too. So I think that I think that that both is the right answer. If you feel like your 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 gut's going to be good as far as, you know, a little bit of Gatorade or cliff shots, no big deal. Then, then it kind of doesn't matter. Um, and if, and if you try it and you know, things are, are not going to go well for you, then that's where you definitely want to maybe not try to condition yourself, but like train with the thought in mind that you're going to have to bring your own stuff on race day. So what is that going to look like in terms of, you know, are you going to have somebody that's spectating? So maybe you can like trade out a bottle are you going to have to carry like, you know, for me with tailwind, what I'll often do is I've got my, my orange mud vest on. So I've got my bottles and then I've got some packets of tailwind so that I can get to an aid station at whatever mile, dump out whatever's left, or maybe, you know, just refill it with water, put the, the new mix back in. So I'm good to go and, and onward and upward. Uh, but making sure that you're able to carry stuff and things like that. Um, so, so yeah, like there's, there's, you know, as much as I like to say sometimes that it's okay to do something new on race day, there's definitely a good reason to, to try some of these things and to make sure that, that you at least have a pretty good idea how your body's going to respond. And, and the other thing to keep in mind, um, when it comes to, you know, trying, training with Gatorade and seeing how that is going to work for you is, uh, sometimes, and we've probably all been there before, but sometimes the, the on course Gatorade feels like all they did was put food coloring in it because it's so weak. Sometimes it kind of is more like syrup. Sometimes it's actually like it you know, mixed to the specifications that it's is, uh, suggested, but you don't know what that's going to be like. So you could train with, with Gatorade and be like, Oh yeah, this is fine. No factor. And then you get out there and it's a warm day and, uh, it's really watered down and there's like not much salt in there. And then you're like, Oh shoot, what am I going to do? Um, cause the cliff shots probably don't have a lot of electrolytes in it. They mostly have sugar glucose, I would imagine. Um, so again, you can train for it, but what you get on race day may or may not be what you trained with, even if you're training with the stuff you're supposed to get, if that makes sense. So just something to keep in mind, um, which is why I think that I kind of like to be the guy that's just like, I bring my own stuff. I bring my, my hydration pack, even if I don't need it, because I know what I'm getting. I know it's the concentration I want. I know it's the flavor I want. Um, fewer surprises, fewer surprises. But uh, obviously you got plenty of time to play with it between now and September. So, you know, just kind of keep those, keep those things in mind, try some different things, see how it works. And by the time September rolls around, hopefully you'll have a plan in place. Spoiler alert. You will have a plan in place, uh, to, to help you be ready to go to get through it without the, the nutrition part being as big of a variable as it could potentially be if you don't prepare for it. So hope all that helps Kelly. Good luck. And, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll have you ready. Don't worry. Kelly's second question, perfect shape for Reese's peanut butter candy. I'm a fan of the egg shape, even over the cups. Yeah. I mean, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Uh, I think the egg is, is probably the creme de la creme. Um, I mean, you know, it, to be clear, we're kind of splitting hairs here because a, a Reese's Reese's peanut butter, or anything is, is pretty darn good. Um, but yeah, the eggs are good. Um, the Christmas trees are good. The ghosts are good. The pumpkins are good. The big cups are good. The mini cups are good. You know, like, like I'm 
I'm pretty equal opportunity Reese's peanut butter cup guy. Um, but I suppose if I had to pick one and shun the rest, yeah, you're probably right. The egg is probably, probably the one, probably the one. Um, but hard to go wrong when there's a Reese's peanut butter cup treat around. That is uh, fact. That is fact. One more from James before we wrap up. We got a couple questions left, but one more from James before he runs out of other questions. Uh, River to Sea registration opens March 20th. Are you going to sign up? Only the 12-hour option. Don't pay attention to the six-hour race. Right, right. Yeah, like I'm going to I'm gonna lose sight of a six-hour race in freaking, you know, August in Florida. Um, that said, there's a possibility. There's a possibility. Uh, don't, uh, don't hold your breath on it just yet, but uh, stay tuned. Stay tuned. We'll see. It's on. The, it's on the back burner as a as far as possibilities go. Got to see how some dates line up, things like that. Um, but I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued by the possibility of a 12 hour race, which will then help me be able to answer your other question, James, about what to eat on a trail over 12 hours. So maybe maybe there's a research component to this race that I should consider as well. We'll see. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Uh, another one from Rick. Would you trade your longevity as a runner in order to accomplish specific running goals, finishing Boston, 100-miler, PR, et cetera, et cetera? No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. As much as I want to qualify for Boston, as much as I want to run a marathon in, every 50, in, in each of the 50 states, um, above, above those by a lot, at least as I stand here today, end of March 2022, um, I would rather run until they put me into the grit, into the ground than sell my soul to qualify for Boston and then not be able to run for the last 20 or 30 years of my life. Um, obviously I don't necessarily get to make that choice. Um, but you know, I think, I think at a certain level, that's a big part of why I'm such a proponent of heart rate training. Cause I feel like it's the least stressful on the body. Not that it's not stressful, but I think it's the least stressful, most likely to lead to a, a, as long of a career of running as possible that hopefully somewhere will get me to Boston and will get me to a marathon in every state and will get me to some of the other running goals that I have. Um, but yeah, I mean, to, to me, I guess the, 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 the most important goal is to be able to keep running until, till, till that's it. And so I, I don't want to trade that for one moment, if you will. So good question. And, and one of those that, uh, isn't, um, you know, maybe not everybody's on the same boat as me, but, but yeah, I, I, as much as I want those other things, I want to be running forever, um, more than, than any other running goal. So, so yeah, I'll, you know, if that means no Boston for me, then, I mean, that's a tough pill to swallow. Uh, and thankfully I'm not at the point where I have to, to have give up on that, that goal just yet. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll keep running even if that means no Boston for sure. And, and not even, not even regret it, not even think twice about it. Not even, no hesitation, no hesitation, uh, Runner for life over runner for one moment, for sure, for me. Um, not that there's anything wrong with the different, you know, change your goals, whatever, but that's that's where I stand. So thank you for the question, Rick. Uh, last but not least, question from David. <laughs> Whew, this is a loaded question, my friend. I don't know if you meant this in the way that you're, that, that is coming across, but oh, and as I say, last but not least, this is, this is, this is how things work sometimes. It's the last question on the list, but I just got the thing that says someone is typing a comment. So perhaps there's another question coming. Maybe this is not the last nor least question. We will see. It depends how long I rant and rave on this one. Um, but anyway, we'll see. David's question. What changes would you make to improve Runner's World magazine? Whoo, buddy. Um, <laughs> I haven't read Runner's World in a couple years. Um, the last time I read it, which again, a couple years ish ago, I was trying to give it a chance after having not read it for a couple years previously, because I thought it was bad in 2017, 2018, whenever it was that I first canceled my runner's world subscription. And then I got a new subscription somewhere a couple years ago. And I think I, I barely made it through like two issues. And I was like, my God, it's gotten worse. It's gotten worse. So what changes would you make to improve runner's world magazine? I mean, I would just like blow it up. I mean, and, and, and like, I hate to say it like that, but it's so bad. Like there's no, it's terrible, um, as far as stuff that I care about, you know, like, like the interest stories and things like, like those are fine, but like, I, like those aren't the reason th those don't compel me to read the magazine. Um, so much just fluff, so many, so many articles that are clearly just like 
paid I hate to say it this way too, because it's not quite this bad, but it's like, it's like, this is just, you know, some company paid spot. It's like sponsored content, but they don't even label it as sponsored content. Right. You know, it's just, it's just peddling products, peddling products, peddling products. Um, yeah, it's, it's back in the day there was runner's world and there was running, running times. And I felt like running times was like good quality stuff, good physiology, good science-based stuff. Um, good information, things to help you grow and run and runners world was kind of the fluff and then running times folded or whatever went the, went the way of the dodo. Um, and only the fluff survived. And so, yeah, I mean, there's like, I don't know how to improve. It's in my opinion, and the last time I, maybe it's gotten better now. Maybe it's better than it was a couple years ago when I got my last, when, when I canceled my subscription for the, uh, the most recent time. Um, but it's just so bad. So bad. If you like it, cool. You know, again, like this is just my N equals one opinion. Um, but I'm not sure you could make runner's world readable to me. Hopefully I didn't just upset everybody. Hopefully. And if you're the editor of runner's world, David, um, Let's let's talk some more, and, and if you want to, if you will, if you want my my feedback, I'm happy to give it more specifically, and uh, maybe check out some articles or check out some some issues and see what to see how things are looking now. Uh, but it just seems like a fluff piece, and that just doesn't really doesn't really interest me a whole lot. So there you go. Why don't I tell you how I really feel about Runner's World? <laughs> anyway, uh, apparently whoever was sort of leaving a, a comment didn't leave a comment, or it's going to pop in here. Uh, you know, after I finish recording, in which case snoozed and loosed, uh, I'm just going to refresh and make sure, make sure something else didn't pop up there. Nope. Not seeing anything. So whoever, whoever it was, if you were leaving a comment, sorry about your luck. Sorry about your luck, but thanks all for the questions. Hopefully, uh, James, we got you through at least a few miles of your race. Um, but, uh, but there we go. There we go. What did I get right? What did I get wrong? What do you, what do you think? What do you disagree with me about? Why do you love runner's world? Wh- whatever, whatever's going through your head, whatever you're, you're shaking your fist at, uh, let's, let's have a little dialogue. Let's have a little conversation. Uh, let me know at disruns on Twitter at disruns on Instagram. You can also send an email to disruns at gmail.com. And of course you can head over to the show notes for today, which aren't, uh, maybe not as, as long, not as much scrolling required as usual. But we still have memes. We still have GIFs, of course. And if you scroll on down past everything, there's that comment section down at the bottom of the page. You can leave your thoughts and feedbacks. Tell me what I got right. Tell me what I got wrong there. Uh, Dizruns.com slash 1033. Dizruns.com slash 1033. We'll get you back to the show notes for today. And uh, again, don't forget to get in the Facebook group where where all this, where all the, the, the nonsense really happens. Uh, always, always love uh, engaging and cracking jokes and... Lord knows I'm the butt of most of the jokes, but that's that's fine. That's fine. If you can't laugh at yourself, who can you laugh at, right? Uh, so come on, join the party. Dizruns.com slash Facebook, or just search for the Dizruns tribe and come on and join us. As long as you don't prove yourself to be a douche, and if you do, we'll just send you packing. I mean, that's that's fine. I've, I've done that to a few folks. Not very often, but every once in a while, some people just, just have to go, and they go. No no drama about it, just, just gone. Uh, but I'm sure that that's not going to be you. So come join the party. Dizruns.com slash Facebook and with that, we'll go ahead and wrap this one up. Uh, what do you say we do this again next month, eh? Uh, I think I think next month we'll do it again. Good Lord willing. Good Lord willing and the creek don't rise. We'll be here next month. But until then, y'all, be well. Take good care. Thanks again for listening. And uh, we'll talk soon, all right? Later, y'all. <laughs>